Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. How many are Chelsea going to win by on Wednesday? <laughs> I think three or four. I think Chelsea will really... I think this will be the... This is the game for him now. He's had time. Chelsea go and win this game. All right. You heard it here first. Joe Cole on straight out of cupboard. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, three and easy, just like Joe Cole said, against Milan. We look ahead to the visit of Wolves and the return of Diego Costa, round up the rest of the Chelsea news and do a quiz available for free. Wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is straight out of Cobham. Well, that's better, isn't it, Lister? How many times have you heard the words wide and open in reference to Chelsea's Champions League group following that thumping win against AC Milan on Wednesday night at Stamford Bridge? We're going to talk about that. We're going to look ahead to Wolves and plenty more too. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by The Athletic. Simon Johnson, morning, Simon. Forza, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Parkins back with his two. How you doing, Sam? Morning. How you doing? Yeah, good. I think we're all in a good mood today. Uh, let's start with that Champions League game at Stamford Bridge this week. Sterling knows he's got Reese James over if he waits. He did wait. Nice and patient. 3-0. Chelsea going through the gears. Reese James with the third goal tonight. And what could have been a tricky night in the Champions League is turning into an easy one for Chelsea. Uh, overall, can't complain. Clean sheet, three goals. Uh, great personality of the players, really good. Chelsea three, AC Milan nil. Then what a result for the Blues. Goals from Fafana, Abamyang, and James putting Chelsea back in a decent position to qualify for the knockout stages of the competition. We'll hear what Simon and Sam thought about it shortly, but our own Liam Toomey was on hand for the Athletic at Stamford Bridge and he sent us this voice note at full time. No, listeners, your ears are not deceiving you. That is the sound of Stamford Bridge singing with unqualified, unequivocal happiness along to One Step Beyond. Chelsea was certainly one step beyond tonight. They outclassed and outplayed a Milan team that came here very confident as reigning Serie A champions. And in the end, the scoreline reflected that, much in the way that it did last season against Juventus here. And there were more parallels to that game, whether it was a defender opening the scoring from a scramble corner, this time Wesley Fofana, a blistering Rhys James finish in the second half, and a gutting knee injury. Of course, last season it was Ben Chilwell this time Wesley Fofana. Well, I'm assuming it was a knee injury. It certainly looked that way. We'll get more details afterwards, but he looked absolutely despondent as he walked down the tunnel in front of me. But that was really the only negative on this very, very 
positive night for Graham Potter. His tenure has liftoff now and Chelsea's faltering Champions League campaign has real life. They absolutely needed to win this game and they, they never looked in doubt of, of not doing so in truth, aside from a couple of breakaway runs from Rafael Leao, who is utterly terrifying. Chelsea were very convincing. It was turned out to be an unhappy return for Fikayo Tomori, although he did just get a big hug from Rhys James um, at the final whistle. I'm sure he'll have plenty more where that came from in the, in the Stamford Bridge Tunnel with, with old familiar faces. Chelsea's players are now taking in the applause of, of Stamford Bridge on a lap of appreciation. It's two wins from two, two goals from two games. Um, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang there's just a sense of momentum building and with the run that Chelsea have of fixtures coming up in the rest of October and the first half of November heading into the World Cup momentum is what they need more than anything else Thanks Liam you can read Liam's post-match piece Graham Potter's Chelsea have their statement win now they must go one step beyond on the athletic athletic.com slash Chelsea pod the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber Simon I don't want to start on a negative but but was this really a one step beyond kind of win it's only Champions League group stage should we should we not be saving one step beyond for for the knockout stages yes but I think given the um, lack of opportunities to play that tune this season and and almost sort of since April I don't blame the DJ for for putting it on the turnstile and uh, giving it the old mega mix, you know. Uh, and, and I think you also sort of captured the the feeling in the ground. I, I quite liked, and, and BT Sport made a point of it as well, that the players really did go around to acknowledge the, the fans and, and, and they were sort of insinuating, the pundits there were insinuating, oh, it's it felt like a deliberate all sort of let's try and bond together again um and I, I just think yeah why not celebrate a win that they've been there's been what a couple in the league which have been incredibly unconvincing um so far at home this season this, this was a completely different story it was a it wasn't quite as good as Juventus last year but it was it was it was good I mean if if we'd said well if we'd agreed with Joe Cole it was going to be a three nil cruise before kickoff, we'd have been absolutely delighted, and and um, yeah, it's it's brought the feel good factor back a little bit. Uh, obliging opponents, Sam, but this was Chelsea's best performance of the season by miles, wasn't it? I thought they were really good against Tottenham. Um, I think we've spoken about that game game a lot, but but yeah, I, I, th I still think the second goal was hugely important because of the way that Chelsea have plateaued often in the second half and been pegged back in the previous Champions League game. For, for an example. So I think that's just what Aubameyang brings you, honestly. And I know we'd be sitting here if he hadn't scored. He's not touching the ball. He's not involved in the build-up play. But that is just not the type of finish, the type of goal that we've seen from any Chelsea players. I think Lukaku wouldn't have anticipated that. Werner wouldn't have been there. And I don't think Havertz gets that type of goal enough. So that's what, that's what he brings you. That's what repetition over the years of getting in those areas, anticipating provides and I thought that was a big moment and the Crystal Palace goal as well you know I think that adds weight to what he's going to be I can't visualize any striker doing that maybe since Diego Costa who we'll come on to later so I think those goals have been exactly what Chelsea needed I thought that was a huge 
turning point in the game just to give them the comfort to go on and run out such such easy winners. But you know, Milan were pretty underwhelming to be honest. But um, yeah, it was a it was a cruise the second half after opening 10, 15 minutes, a little bit sticky first half, but but after that it was a it was a comfortable game. It's a good point Sam makes, um, Simon on Aubameyang. I think it just brings a sense of calm, doesn't it? You know, the goal against Palace, back to goal. But but as we said on Monday, you knew where the posts were and they weren't moving. And this one, it was that kind of instinctive finish that that has got in other Chelsea strikers' heads in the past. Whereas he's just, well, just touch the ball and put it in the net. That, that, that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, I, th- th- there's still this huge reservation <laughs> to, to go overboard seen too many strikers and and also this time last year when Lukaku got off to a good start we was just going yeah yeah this I remember sort of saying yeah Chelsea found their striker and yes um so so yeah I'm I'm a little bit sort of well I'm now going to be very cautious but at the same time I mean for me the goal against Palace was what what really sort of stood out for me in that it was such a sublime finish on the turn that that is not a str- uh, the kind of finish a lot of strikers can pull off. Um, that was that was world class finish. That um, the goal against AC Milan was was just classic centre forward being the right place, knowing where Reese James can put it. And and sort of as Sam intimates, how many times have we seen a cross from Reese James flash across the six yard box? No one be there. Aubameyang was there, made Tamori look a little bit silly, unfortunately for him, because he, he was obviously looking to impress Gareth Southgate. Um, but yeah, it was it was a simple finish, but the fact he was there sort of spoke volumes, really. And it did settle, settle Chelsea down, because whilst they were the better side at that point, we've seen so many times, including the last Champions League home game, of course, against RB Salzburg, that um, if if you leave it at one nil, it only takes one moment to switch off, and and you drop two points, and you you're in trouble in the group again. And and that's the good thing is that going into the away leg, not that the pressure's off, but you can imagine if they dropped points last night, they basically would have had to go to San Siro and a point at the minimum. Um, now I still think they need a point, but. They'll be greatly encouraged that they can go there and, and get at least at least a draw from that game. Started with a back three, Sam. It does appear that the the central defenders at Chelsea have got are more comfortable in that situation. A couple of early yips for Koulibaly, but then he settled into it. And, and Thiago Silva, obviously stupendous again. Do you think that's the, the more likely formation that we're going to see uh, going forward? Obviously, Posse likes to mix it up, but that might be his, his preferred starting formation. I think that will cement it in his in his mind that they can be really fruitful in that shape, and I don't see any reason to change it for this weekend, especially when you think of the opponent that they're up against. But you know, we've seen how you know versatile he can be, and and is going to be moving forward. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree about the the two centre halves, the two wide ones. Um, I thought Fafana made a bit of a rash decision to go for a ball when he was wrong side very early on in the game and he just got his heel on the ball. Um, he improved from that moment, as did, you know, Koulibaly, who had a, a really difficult opening 10 minutes or so. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the three is probably what we'll see for the for the next game, if I was, you know, predicting. But, you know, he's going to he's gonna change. And, and what it did was it allowed Reese James to to roam down the right-hand side, Chilwell as well, down the other side. And, you know, Reese James was up against a... a 
uh, an opponent in Liao who was obviously maybe not offering that much defensive solidity to his side. So James just prospered further and further in the second half. And he was, in terms of individuals, the, the big difference, wasn't he, after the break, goal and an assist. And back to that period last year where I was championing him as the, the best player in the league at one point. And now people are on it. Can't remember who it was last night, but someone said like maybe the top five players to watch. Um, you know when he when he's at it, he's just incredible, and that was uh, that was in back to what the uh, the autumn of two thousand and twenty one. Popular opinions, you'll always hear them first on straight out of Cobham. Now the bad <laughs> news was the injury to Wesley Fofana, who left the ground on crutches. Uh, two bits of good news though, Simon. One, I was doing the Chelsea TV commentary with Pat Nevid and he said from what he knows of that type of injury and the way Fafana reacted, it might not be that serious. And if we've learned one thing this week is that we should take the word of Chelsea Mercurial midfielders as read. Uh, the <laughs> second thing is that Trevor Chalobah did really well when he came on. And I was so pleased that it was him that they picked to come on because he, you kind of thought you need to match the pace of Fofana as much as you can, which is obviously not as Piliqueta, but the default setting perhaps under Thomas Tuchel would have been to go, mm, well, let's just put Asby in there because I know what I'm going to get from him. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, <clears throat> we're all um, anxiously awaiting the, the, the results of the scan which has taken place um, today. Um, the classic trademark um, manager post-match, post-injury, uh, first interview, so was sort of not give too many details away, just talk about, oh, we need to scan, but he did admit that he's concerned, and rightfully so, because he's obviously had injury issues, which, which disrupted last season, and and he had to feel for him. He, he gets his goal, and you sort of think, oh, right, this is much-needed boost for his confidence. He's not exactly got off to the best of starts after a big-money move. And then see him in sort of almost tears walking off there. It was, it was sad to see, but fingers crossed for him. You know that that it is a positive, upbeat, and and not not as bad as first fear. But in terms of his World Cup chances, um, if he had any for France, I think that's probably done and dusted. And, and maybe that's that also is connected with why he was in tears because he knew that uh, that's the World Cup dream gone. But. Um, no, I totally agree with you on Chalabar. Like, I was sitting there thinking, oh, Azpilicueta. And this is nothing against Azpilicueta, but Chalabar needs to play. And, and obviously, I wrote a piece last week about how he's basically already sort of looking at how much he'll play between now and January and, and, and make a decision on whether he stays or goes. He came very close to leaving in the summer. The owners decided to convince him to, to stay. They, they don't want him to go, but... The guy played, I think, sort of 30 times last season and he's not going to just be happy with sitting about watching other people play. And it just so happens that it took a bit of misfortune for one of his teammates to get his chance. And I I was really impressed with him, given the lack of football he's had. He's only had one game and he's suddenly thrust in against Liao. There was obviously that that run just before half-time where Liao cut inside both him and Reese James. But I don't think there's any disgrace in that. Liao's going to do that to a number of quality defenders um, over the next few years, one would imagine, and has already shown he can do that anyway. But he, he helped negate Liao in the, in the, in the second half. Although Reese James, I just want to touch on him again. I thought he set the tone, that second half performance. It's like, I don't know when anything was said at half-time, but it's like he took that run just before half-time personally and went, right, I'm not going to let you do that again. Did, did we even see Liao in the second half? I can't even remember his name being mentioned. He just totally shut him down defensively. And I think that 
almost more than Aubameyang's goal, just just killed Milan off. It's just like, okay, our best player is is disappeared. What are we going to do? And then once he was negated, Reese became even more and more confident to get forward, and obviously set Aubameyang up, and then scored a brilliant goal himself. And there's been a lot of headlines over the last few days about Trent Alexander-Arnold, and he and he's a quality player, and there's no doubt about it. But there's this kind of club rivalry, this Chelsea Liverpool rivalry about this this right back berth in the England team. But it seemed to be a lot of people have been sort of forgetting, yes, Trent's a good player, but there's a rather good player that's keeping him out the side. There's a reason. It's not just because Trent Alexander-Arnold is not the best defensively. It's because Rhys James is, is a very, very good player. And I think, put it this way, I think I'd rather back Rhys James against Liao than Trent Alexander-Arnold. So um, that's why he's currently ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah, I loved his goal as well. It's almost a trademark James one, but but he, he seemed to taunt Tatarasanu by saying, I dare you to get in the way of this and just see what <laughs> happens because it's just going to knock you off your feet and end up in the net anyway. Um, Sam, the last thing I, I wanted to touch on, probably with the caveat that Milan will likely have players back next week and, and play a bit better on their own patch, but the depth that Chelsea had. Milan couldn't fill their bench because of the injuries. Chelsea brought on Chalaba, Jorginho, Breuer, Havertz and Gallagher, left the likes of Pulisic, Ziyech, Cucurella, Azpilicueta on the bench. I mean, that is just phenomenal strength in depth, isn't it? And, and as, as Graham Potter gets to know his squad, he's going to use all those players because we've still got, what, seven games to go in October? Great options, yeah. And, and as we've already spoken of today, the, the formation will be... Um, well, not dictated by, but he can mix it because, you know, someone like Conor Gallagher would probably further prosper in the, the shape they used at, at Palace. And there's other players like that as well who don't maybe fit as well in, in what they played last night. So, um, yeah, the, the, there's great options. Um, he'll be very comfortable in the knowledge that he can rotate. Um, you know, well, they want to get the win next week, won't they? They want to get it done and then not get it done, but put themselves in a better position. So, you know, potentially you can have a look at one or two things in the Champions League games that, that, that finish the group. But yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's a frightening proposition, really, when you, when you're looking at the players that aren't even getting minutes last night. It's not done and dusted, is it, Simon? You know, I've said everybody's used the phrase wide open for, for groupie, but Chelsea can't really afford to go to Milan next week and lose, can they? Salzburg topping the section on five points. Chelsea, Milan have four each. Zagreb have three. Um, Chelsea still got to go away to Salzburg as well as Milan. So this is a great result, but in isolation, it's fine. But they need to add a couple more points yet. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, they're still paying the price for the for not turning up in the first two games. And, and so it will potentially go down to the last game. Um Hopefully not. I mean, they've got... You, you would like to think they'll take care of Zagreb at home, but, you know, you'd have liked to have thought they'd take care of them away. So, yeah, I mean, they want to carry on this momentum. So, yeah, that's why I was sort of saying that a point point next week, they, they still need to get something out of that game. And, and also just to keep Milan uh, behind them, um, albeit on, on goal difference. Um so yeah, there's still a lot of work to do, but you, you would like to think th- things are certainly a lot far more positive than. I mean, imagine what this pod would be like if they'd not won last night. I'd, I'd be on top pessimistic form. So yeah. let, let, let's just focus on the uh, on the positives that they 
it wasn't just that they beat Milan, it's the manner in which they beat them and, and that should give them uh, a lot of confidence going forward now. Yeah, we're all in a good mood today. Even producer Lucy, who, listener, if you were with us on Monday, will remember, turned down a ticket for the game because she was too stressed at the prospect of it. Listen to Joe Cole, Lucy. That is what we've learned. Um, right, so the match day four game at San Siro takes place on Tuesday of next week. But Chelsea back in Premier League action on Saturday. We'll look ahead to the game against Wolves next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines wolves as a wild carnivorous mammal. They also say the word can be used figuratively to refer to a rapacious, ferocious or voracious person or thing. Speaking of which, Diego Costa makes his return to Stamford Bridge on Saturday as part of the managerless wanderers. What's your favourite Costa memory, Simon? Well, I, I've got to talk, talk on and off the pitch because off the pitch it's easy. I was there as well to see it all unfold when Chelsea won the title. Uh, their last title against West Brom and uh, him, David Luiz uh, and John Terry dragged, first of all, they dragged Conte out of his uh, his uh, daily press conference, but then Conte had to, Antonio Conte, this is, had to uh, do a Sunday briefing in a little room right next door to the, uh, the main press room. And as the uh, Sunday journalist tried to interview Antonio, Costa was getting rather impatient. He wanted to get the party going on the bus. And, um, yeah, he decided to... Uh, well, he did all kinds of things. He, he was swinging off a handlebar. That, some kind of bar was in this... Uh, as in not not the drinking kind of bar. Metal bar was up. Um, although I'm sure he'd have loved it if there had been a bar. Um, <laughs> but he, he got a fire extinguisher and decided to point it towards a Sunday journalist. There are pictures still... You'll find them on social media. You can see the Sunday journals, some of them turning around, looking rather fearful, uh, totally forgetting what Antonio is saying, uh, and then more worried about the crazy striker that uh, that was behind them <laughs> with the fire extinguisher. What a character. But on the pitch, I mean, there's so many great moments, but I, I might just sort of categorise it as Costa v Arsenal, because whenever he faced Arsenal, it was very Drogba-esque. Um, it, it, something about the Arsenal games, even in his rubbish season, uh, and and everyone's rubbish season in fifteen sixteen, he scored against Arsenal. Um, he he just uh, something about Arsenal got him going, and he he wound up. I'm trying to remember the the defender he got Gabriel. sent off. Gabriel, yes, sort of da- bit of dark arts got him sent off. Um, yeah, what a character! But the guy, the guy was. There was a reason why Chelsea won two titles when Costa was there. He just... There are other players in the league that scored more goals, 
but Costa scored key goals. He was always the guy that got you the one goal that would win you matches, not not sort of like the stat padding with hat tricks. And of course, we'd have loved to have seen that. But the point is, he won so many games for Chelsea in, in both those title wins, and that's what I remember a lot about him. Yeah, he got 20 Premier League goals in uh, each of the two seasons he was with Chelsea when they won the title. Uh, Sam, if he starts the game, what minute will he get booked in? <laughs> Probably early 20s, I would say. I Yeah, I loved him. I mean, such a prickly character. I don't even think it needed an incident in a game to ignite that. I think that's just who he is as a as a person, wasn't it? He was involved in absolutely everything. It didn't need him to be roughed up or to be getting grief. He just played on the edge. And I loved the way, similar to, to Drogba in terms of the importance, but you know, different in a way. Drogba was probably a better team player, but I think Costa, those speculative, hopeful forward balls, fight balls, if you like, that he would be able to get hold of and then create a goal or an assist which I think at the moment, Breuer is probably the closest we've got to that at Chelsea in that he can get the ball, get turned and just absolutely rip past people, which Costa just did. So you didn't even have to be moving the opponent around, cutting them open with good play, intricate passing. Costa could just create a goal from nothing himself. So I thought he was an amazing player. I think Chelsea were incredibly lucky to have Drogba and then Costa. Uh, there's not been a lot in between or since, but those two, you know, carried the forward line really single-handedly. Quite interestingly, he's going to get a much better reception than Thibaut Courtois did. And when you think about it, he did the same, if not more, <laughs> in his time at Chelsea. He was constantly angling to leave that club, pretty yeah. much from the very first, you know, kick of a ball. Um, he never really settled in, in London. He didn't like the weather. Um, he can blame him. Much nicer in Wolverhampton, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did make me laugh when he came back. It's just like, all right, you've uh, you, you've clearly forgotten why you uh, why you didn't really like England in the first place, and now you, you've not got the delights of London either. But um, but yeah, the, the fans will will give him a massive reception <laughs> um, of of a positive kind, even though. Yeah, I mean, who can forget in the in the second title winning season? He was in January. He was trying to get a move to to China um, for a big payday. Hastily rewrites one of the quiz questions. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so um, it was an amazing story covering Jacob Costa. It was never a dull. It was never a dull moment. And I just remember when he did go on strike. I mean, he beautifully played the Antonio Conte text thing, which was naive of, of Conte at the time. But at the same time, Diego Costa wanted to leave, you know. Um, he just used it to try and help Atletico Madrid get the deal done. Um, but I do remember whilst he was on strike, um, the, the footage of him uh, posted on social media of him on a jet ski, <laughs> which was really trolling Chelsea. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a character. And... and it would be great to see him on Saturday. I just hope he doesn't pull out one more party trick uh, on the pitch. From my previous answer, you'll know that I was quite a fan of his and I watched seven or eight minutes of him training at, at Wolves the other day before he'd even 
train with a squad, I think it was. So he was literally with like one of the sports science guys jogging around. But it showed him moving, uh, walking through the training ground, meeting everyone. It was like he'd been there for years. He was slapping people. He's getting people in headlocks. I know like there wouldn't be much of a language barrier because a lot of these guys are, well, the Portuguese guys, and a lot of them have played in La Liga and, and such like, I would presume. So it'll come across them. But it was just, it was just funny to see because of, you know, when I've moved to new clubs, you don't say anything to anyone for a couple of days. He was kicking people up the backside in the gym without uh, without even being out on the training pitch of him. It was funny. Yeah, I've been a victim of a few of those earlobe flicks and crushing handshakes in the past and then just a cheeky <laughs> smile. You're like, eh, it's quite funny, but it does hurt a lot as well. Um, <laughs> so that is Wolves. Managerless coming into this at time of recording, though, there's reports they might appoint Julian Lopetegui. who got biffed by Sevilla uh, on Wednesday night. Wolves have managed three goals in the league this season. That is 11 fewer than Erling Haaland has scored. <laughs> He's also scored more than Chelsea have in the Premier League by the way. Um, so you'd think this would be a fairly routine game for Chelsea. You'd certainly hope so. I guess, Simon, we're going to see a fair bit of rotation uh, in this match. We, we mentioned those players who were either on the bench and came off or didn't. You, you'd think maybe the likes of Kukurea would get a start here, maybe even Breuer too? Kukurea, certainly. I, I, th- I think the fact that um, Potter made substitutions was with also with Saturday in mind. I don't think he's going to heavily rotate. I mean, why would you drop Aubameyang after two goals in two games? I, I think you'd want to keep that momentum going. Um would be nice to see uh, Broya get off the mark. I think he just needs needs a goal, doesn't he? But he needs minutes on the pitch to, to get the chance to get a goal. Um, but I, I, I think Aubameyang still starts. Um yeah, he might make a few changes, but I, I don't think it's going to be wholesale. I, I think when when you play like that, you, you you want pretty much the same team out there. As for the game, I, you know, may, maybe I'm being uh, pessimistic. Here's pessimistic Johnson coming out again, but I find Chelsea games against Wolves generally can be really, really tough watch. Like Wolves are pretty boring side um, generally, um, and have been for years. They just make make um, themselves incredibly difficult to beat and Chelsea it ends up with Chelsea struggling to break them down for long periods and given their struggle you'd imagine that they're going to play a very defensive um, game on, on Saturday so it could be quite a challenge like if Chelsea get an early goal then of course hopefully it, it then becomes a bit more entertaining although I do remember uh, last last season's game wasn't too bad I suppose two all wasn't it um, but generally, they, they tend to be quite dour, quite dour affairs, and, and Wolves have, have, have been, I'm probably sounding a bit harsh on Wolves, they, they make it very tough for Chelsea on quite a lot, number of occasions. Yeah, certainly did at Molyneux last season and uh, in Thomas Tuchel's first game, right? At Stanford yeah, Bridge, that's it, yeah. Against Wolves. Uh, it's three o'clock at Stamford Bridge on Saturday for that one. Good luck battling through the train strikes and engineering works if you are going definitely worth uh, checking how you're going to get there elsewhere in Chelsea news the draw for the group stages of the women's champions league was made just after we recorded Monday's pod the blues have been given a tricky looking section Uh, they are in group a along with PSG Real Madrid and Vlasnia of Albania Uh, you'll remember listener that they didn't get out of their group last season Chelsea the group stage games play between the 19th of October and the 22nd of December worth keeping in mind the WSL and the Women's Champions League will be running throughout the Men's World Cup if you're looking for something a bit more palatable than Qatar 2022 
A busy week for the academy sides. On Tuesday night, the under-21s picked up their first win of the season in the EFL Trophy. They came from behind to beat Oxford 2-1 at the Kassam Stadium. Amari Hutchinson missed a penalty, but it didn't matter because Mason Burstow chipped the keeper from 35 yards and Lewis Hall banged in the winner shortly after that. Sam, many thanks for loaning me the use of the word tremendous to describe that Burstow goal on 50 the Chelsea quid. commentary. Um, it was pretty good, wasn't it? I couldn't work out whether it was a chip and not a lob. Right, the flight of the ball meant it was more chippy than lobby. It was a drive, wasn't okay, it? Okay, yeah, that's better. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. I I wouldn't have imagined he had that in his armory, to be honest. So I was pleasantly surprised when I watched those highlights back, and I loved the little shift for Lewis Hall's goal as well. Um, I think the defenders obviously try to anticipate that he's going to strike with his left foot, as you would, and. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that too often from Lewis Hall even. He's been a bit, what's the word, profligate? That's the word that's uh, flavour of the month right now, isn't it? Um, towards the end of last year, I remember in a few massive PL2 games when the pressure was really on, he, he fluffed his lines in front of goal on a few occasions. So really good for him to get a goal of that importance as well. And I think they do love that competition. You know, I remember speaking to to John Harley, Andy Myers, you know, previous during previous campaigns and the lads love it you know why, why wouldn't they going up against seasoned professionals playing in the stadiums yes they're not full stadiums but I think they they, they really embrace it um probably not so much the the lads in the other team but they still had some big big guns out there didn't they Oxford um I think Matt Taylor got their goal and looking at some of the names there it was more or less a first team so that's a that's a really good scalp yeah, the name that stood out to me on the Oxford team sheet was Lewis Bates on loan from Leeds. Maybe a cautionary tale there for Chelsea Academy players who think there are greener pastures elsewhere because it's not really happened for him uh, since he left Chelsea to go to Leeds. Anyway, that means that all four teams in the group, the others being Sutton and Leighton Orient, have three points from their two games. Chelsea go to Orient next. That's on the 18th of October. Uh, meanwhile, a very young side, the under-19s, played AC Milan at Cobham on Wednesday afternoon in the UEFA Youth League. Leo Castledine got an equaliser there in a one-all draw, but Chelsea are bottom of their section. They've got two points from their opening three games. Milan leading the way there uh, with five. This weekend, the Dev squad go to West Ham in PL2, whilst the under-18s host Everton in the Premier League Cup. Right, the chaps are rubbing their temples furiously for next we quiz. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu. Right, Simon, your first question is one that I've just improvised because uh, you took the China one <laughs> right out of my mouth. Uh, who did Diego Costa score a hat-trick against in his second game at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea? Much more difficult than which country did Antonio Conte reportedly tell him to go to, to <laughs> after a furious training ground bust-up. Sam's already there to steal. I remember he, he got off to a ridiculous start. Yeah, including a hat-trick in his second game at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> against him. <laughs> scored against Burnley, scored two against Everton. 
I'm sure this is just... He always gets it, Simon. It's just toying <laughs> with me, this. Like, Dom started doing it as well. <laughs> no, Dom, Dom's, Dom's on ridiculous form at the moment. Uh, shout out if you're listening, Dom. Um, I never want to face you in a quiz. Uh, well, Sam I'm actually g- did register his displeasure at being in a quiz again privately to me yesterday, so I think he's a bit intimidated by you, Simon. <laughs> I don't know why, given how much he's stumbling over this. Am I, what, am I what, intimidated in the Harland uh, way? Um, Swansea. Oh, he knew it all along, didn't he? Absolutely. He did, no didn't problem. he? <laughs> like, the psychology of the quiz has been fascinating. It's evolved over the months. It's um, real insight into everybody's character. Uh, right, Sam, here's yours. Diego Costa scored on his final appearance for Chelsea in 2017. Against whom did the goal come? I think it was against Arsenal in the FA Cup final. It flipping well was, and you got well, that straight away. Well done, this is a really That's impressive good. start. Uh, losing goal, it was. Oh, don't get me started on that. Yeah, that was annoying, wasn't it? Conte Never mind bl- it the next year. Conte subbed him. Yeah. That was an amazing game, wasn't it? Though I was in a bar in Prague. I seem to remember. It was an incredible game. <laughs> but there was, ne- there was never a moment I didn't think Chelsea were not going to win that. I think, you know, 1-1. I was but thinking that didn't. this is dead yeah. cert, yeah. Flipping Aaron Ramsey. Right, Simon, here's your second question. That's the Diego Costa section of this week's quiz over, by yeah. the way. Um, now it's more Wolves-based. Chelsea beat Wolves 6-0 in the League Cup in September 2012. Cesar Azpilicueta made his debut for the Blues that night, whilst another Spaniard, who recently left the Premier League to return to his home country, notched his only Chelsea goal. Name that Spaniard. Uh, must be Romeo. It is. Oh, maybe questions too easy <laughs> this week, would you have got that, that, Sam? Um, no, I don't think I would have. All right. Uh, he's just gone to Girona, by the way, if you're interested. Uh, Sam, here's your second question. I asked this of our Chelsea TV producer slash boss, Liam, yesterday, and it took him three goes to get it. So I think this one might be a little bit... Darren Barnard. <laughs> it's not Darren Barnard. I, I, I trawled through the Chelsea v Wolves archives to find... You don't have Barnard to take my first answer. Come there on. isn't one. Uh, The first Premier League meeting at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Wolves took place in March 2004 and resulted in a stonking 5-2 win for the Blues. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank scored a hat-trick that day, but which other Dutchman found the net for Chelsea? What year was it? 2004, March. I went along left. Dutchman. Uh, it's one of two, and he wouldn't have registered for his fifty grand a week. I trained with him a lot, Winston Bogard. <laughs> it's got to be my mate who I spilt a vodka and orange on once in Kingston, Mario Melchiot. Absolutely correct. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a real theme of Sam today. <laughs> How did he take it? Did he uh, laugh it off? Or? Not nicest man ever. Yeah, yeah. We we all loved him, all the young lads. Yeah, he was great. That's good, good plan. Uh, this is going to be a perfect score, this quiz, isn't it? And then did a draw, and I'm going to have to try and think of a tiebreaker. Uh, Simon, your final question. Last season, Chelsea went to Molyneux with a squad depleted by COVID. How many outfield subs was Thomas Tuchel able to name for the 0-0 draw? I remember this because it was COVID, wasn't it? They were it was trying all... to get the game called off, right? Up until yeah, the, yeah. Petr Cech um, wrote an angry column mm. on the. It was just quite unusual. Uh, also unusual for Petr to to get, you know have a rant. 
I mean, in um, hindsight, it was quite mad that they let that game go ahead and let well, them travel up on the coast together. But well, we well, also, I think I think because of the they were kind of going. Um, there are other examples at clubs where you're, you're getting games postponed for like having one or two cases. Um, I think so. They they didn't name all their subs and they put Kepper and Bettinelli, if memory serves, on the bench. So I think it was about. I'm going to go four. Four is absolutely spot on. Uh, right. <laughs> Sam, I really hope you get this because Lucy's just written the most brilliant tiebreaker you could ever imagine. Oh, uh, against Wolves at the bridge last season, Romelu Lukaku managed something he only achieved twice in a Chelsea shirt. What was it? Achieved twice in a ch- it's one of two things, isn't it? You tell me. Well, it is. So if I get it wrong, <laughs> Simon's going to get the other thing. I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> he's done it twice in the Chelsea shirt. Yeah, just the twice. They were both last season because he didn't score in his first spell. One came early on, the other one came late against Wolves. As in early on in the oh, season. Oh, A brace? A brace is absolutely correct. So it's 3-3. Three, three, it was either that or a pen, I was thinking. Yeah, well. He's got, got a pen, right. didn't he, in that game? Uh, I don't remember, but he did score a brace for only the second time. The other one was against Villa at the start of the season. Um, okay, just to emphasise, Simon and Sam, Lucy came up with this question, not me. <laughs> I'm happy with the point. <laughs> I'm happy to wrap it up. <laughs> look, look at I'll tell you what I'm up to laugh. this weekend. <laughs> right, so it's basically <laughs> nearest wins. How many likes did Wolves' video introducing the signing of Diego Costa get? Simon can go first. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. How many likes? If anyone gets it spot on, you never have to do the quiz again. <laughs> oh, that's a really generous offer there, Matt. Thanks. How many likes? Um... I'm going to be way off. I, I just, it's, it's, it's low or high? No. I, what, I, why am I even sort of <laughs> deliberating? What am I doing? Uh, 360,000. Sam, your guess? I wouldn't be... A, I don't even know how many followers a, a Premier League club would have. It varies three, wildly. Does it? Yeah. 360,000 Simon's gone for. Yeah. Oh, uh, Lucy's. Oh, I'm not going to tell you how many followers they have actually, because that, that three hundred sixty thousand. That seems rather a lot. But yeah, it was no, amazing. Was it for the the wolf? The, the, yeah. the thing when he's walking. Apparently, wolf. he was genuinely scared, as you would be if you're. Yeah, it was good. I, I'm not going to go just over Simon. I'm going to go four hundred fifty thousand. It's Johnson who takes the points this week. Uh, the exact number was 303,831, which is a pretty good guess, that. Uh, they have 2.1 million followers. Do Wolves? Uh, so there you go. Happy with that, Simon? I'm delighted to win on such a clever question where my, <laughs> my brain matter was truly put to the test. <laughs> All right. Uh, well done, Sam. It was good effort. Thank you, mate. I'm yeah, pleased with fine. that. Fine, uh, fine outing for the quiz. We're all winners, really, aren't we, listener? Um, Simon, <laughs> tell us a bit about Clear Lake's strategy and Joe Cole's opinion thereof, please. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, something I wrote a piece, something that that uh, one of the things I've been told that it's all about the long term plan that that these guys have. There's been a lot of criticism that they're just almost making things up as they go along, etc. But there is a sort of a utopia, a goal that they have in mind of what they want to do with the squad, and that's to to fill it with uh, players um, 25 and under. That's obviously going to be quite difficult because you're going to have sort of Reese James and Mason Mount over time getting older, etc. But you, you get where they're coming from. That it's to build a young, hungry team rather than have a bunch of veterans. And, and also, um, they're going to try and offer players incentivised contracts rather than offering top dollar. But again, that's going to be very difficult to do. And I, as you know, Matt, um, Joe Cole, um, I got to speak to Joe Cole about it. Um, that was the bit that wasn't aired on the on the pod. We, we saved the best for the pod, of course, the, the prediction in particular. But Joe, I, I obviously spoke to Joe uh, about what he thought of these things, and um, he he sort of was sort of saying this is exactly what Chelsea need to do as a plan to try and catch up with Man City, because as as, as everyone's seeing, Man City are a brilliantly run club. It's not just about the money they're spending; it's, it's how they're spending it, and and he thinks that this is a this is a good right tactic um, that planning in advance and building a, a team bit by bit is the way to go but he he, he stresses it's going to need a, a change of culture and a change of thinking uh, among fans as well that this this is going to take time and the, the sort of lurching from manager and just spending getting a couple of players here there and everywhere is, is not going to be enough to to bridge the gap city it's got to be a, a long-term plan so anyway i go into a lot of detail um in the piece and uh and yeah and today i should hasten today I'm off to interview the signing that everyone is talking about right now, uh, Dennis Zachariah. Uh, I'm going to give him something to do um, in a Chelsea shirt. <laughs> um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about, about life at Chelsea so far. Obviously, he hasn't had a chance to to be on the pitch yet, but I'm sure he's got a lot to say for himself. I'm not Saul. Please don't refer to me as Saul, presumably. <laughs> Quite high up on his um, list of things to say. Sam, are you snuggling up on the ITV sofa this weekend? No, I'm not. No, I've got quite a couple of days, which I'm looking forward to. And then uh, at Palace v Leeds on, on Sunday. So looking forward to that. See if they can get over what Conor Gallagher did <laughs> um, this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Not only will we be reflecting on that game against Wolves, we'll also look ahead to Chelsea versus AC Milan part two. Join us for that. If you can, for now, though, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, too, to Lucy, to Simon and to Sam. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye for now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.